right, if you are one of our pirate ship kids, you are dismissed. That's right. (laughs) It would be impossible to try and go through and think about all the people that I needed to thank, but I would be an idiot if I didn't thank two people in particular, one being my wife who has put up with me and allowed this whole thing to really take shape. And the other person will be our kids director, Jen. Uh, unfortunately, both of, those are in, uh, both of those ladies are in kids this morning. So if you see Jennifer, please make sure that you just hug her neck, tell her thank you for all the hard work that she's done. She's done a phenomenal job with her kids. And I, I stand out there every week, and it's a good opportunity for me to ask some of the kids what they've learned. And Every week, it comes without fail. They remember what they are learning. And so it's not just child care. It's not just daycare or anything like that. But it's really an opportunity for us to make disciples out of our kids. And um, that's what Jen does. She takes it very seriously. So I just want to say thank you, and we appreciate Jen. Um, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of John. That's where we'll be camping out today, John chapter 4. That's where we'll be spending a bulk of our time. I had the privilege at the beginning of December to be in New York. Uh, For some of you, that might not be a privilege, but for me, that was a privilege. I loved that city. I was there for a conference, and it came time in the trip where everybody, you know, a bunch of tourists who wanted to go and see Times Square, right? And uh, we go through Times Square, and this is probably the most crowded section of New York City at any time of the day. It's always the... The place you see in all the movies and all the TV shows, Times Square is the most happening place. And right in the center of Times Square was something really cool. They were having this, uh, you know, this is right around 2019, so they're getting ready to have the ball drop. And they had this section, this little station right in the middle of, right in the middle of Times Square for you to write down any wishes, to write down any uh, resolutions that you might have. And I'm telling you, There were thousands and thousands and thousands, if not millions, of folks that had written out a wish, had written out a resolution, and the whole thing, they were putting them all together, collecting them as like pieces of confetti. You can see it up on our screen. And what they were going to do with this confetti was they're going to drop it as the balls drop right there at 2019. I thought it was pretty cool. Some of the wishes on here, uh, without being too political, uh, about 90% of them were all political about what's going on with our, with our president, what's going on with the government. About 90% of them had to do with that. But some of them said, you know, I want to lose weight. Some of them said, you know, I want to read a certain amount of books. You can see them up on the screen. I, I want to have a better life for my kids in 2019. I wrote a wish. I won't tell you what it is. I don't wish and tell. Uh, but I did write a little wish there, and I wrote one for my wife, too. And sure enough, on 2019, whenever the ball's dropping, all those wishes, they go out somewhere into the universe. You see, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're the type of person that likes to set goals. You like to set resolutions. I personally, I like to set goals for myself. I like to have something that I can achieve. I don't like rules, but I do like goals, right? Because if a goal, like if you don't meet it, like it's okay. You know, you can breathe. There's a little bit of breathing room there. If it's a rule, I'll quit on like day three. All right, like if it's a rule, like, okay, you have to go to the gym X amount of times, I won't do it. I have to eat all my vegetables, I have to eat all my, I won't do it. I like improvement, not perfection, right? Like that's what I'm looking for. I like improvement. 
And I don't know about you, but it seems like to me that goals are good to have. It's good to have some goals, right? I was just talking to a guy last Friday. He said, no, I think they're the most dumb. I hate resolutions. Nobody ever sticks to them. Why in the world would I do it? And my response to that is, well, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? If you aim for nothing, I don't, I don't know how you view life, but if you have no goals, if you have nothing that you're aiming for, guess what? You're going to get that result there at the end of the year. You're not going to achieve that, whether it's losing a certain amount of weight, whether it's reading a certain amount of books. Say you want to read 25 books, and I want to I get to that goal. Well, if you read 17, guess what? It's all right, man. You read 17 books. You didn't hit the goal, but you made progress. You improved. That's exactly what I did last year. I wanted to read 25. I only got to 17. I'm still a little bitter about that. But here's a question for you. What goals should we have for the church? For those of you who have been with us for some time, this is your church, right? We're in this together. What do you want said about Creekside Church at the end of this year? If you could wave a magic wand, if you could write it in the sky and say, this is what I want to be said about us as a church. These are the goals. These are the markers that we want to see. This is what we want to hit. What would you have in mind? What, if God graces us to see 2020 and we look back on 2019, it would be really cool if, man, that happened. What is, I want to give you just five seconds. I want you to think about that for just a second. What do you want said about us at the end of this year? Think about it for just one second. What goals should we have for Creekside Church? Now, if you don't really call Creekside Church your home, and maybe you're just visiting with us today, maybe you, you're, you haven't considered yourself all in, you're not necessarily a partner with us, uh, it might seem like I'm using a little bit of insider lingo, and no, 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 that's not the case this morning. I want you to lean in too, okay? I want you to lean in with me. I'm not just speaking to those Originals, I'm not just speaking to the folks who would call this their church home. I'm speaking to you, too, because I would like for you to have certain goals for yourself. And as I sit and think about it, what does God want us to do? What, what, what God-sized goal is there for Creekside Church in 2019? I've come up with very, very simple things. Two very simple things that I would like for us to do this year. Two very, very simple things for Creekside in 2019. If you've got a pen, go ahead and write this down. The first one is simple. Know Jesus. To know Jesus. I want us to know Jesus better in 2019 than we've ever known Him in our entire lives. Collectively, as a group, to know Jesus. To depend on Him. To be in that that state of, of just total dependency on Jesus. I'd like for us to know Jesus better. And then secondly, our second goal for Creekside in 2019 is to share Jesus. Know Jesus, share Jesus. It's like a pair of scissors, right? You know what happens with a pair of scissors? I mean, you can't really do it if you only have one side of the scissors that are working. But it's collectively, together, whenever you put those two blades together, man, it does some damage. Whenever you put two blades together, man, it, it actually works. It cuts. 
And so like a pair of scissors, those two things, know Jesus and share Jesus, I want that to be our story this year, maybe more than ever before. I want us to love and know Jesus more passionately in 2019 than I personally have ever in my life, and I want the same for you. And I also want to share His name, and I want to share this good news that's been given to me more than I ever have in my entire life, and I want the same for you. I want the same for you, and that's exactly where we pick up in John chapter 4, because we're going to see those two things exemplified in a particular woman who is standing there in, at this well drawing water in John chapter 4. So if you got it, say, I got it. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over there at our connect table. That's a free gift to you. But I'm going to be reading in John chapter 4. It should be up on the screen. I said, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, that's a mouthful there, but basically they're just learning that Jesus is baptizing folks more than John the Baptist, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Okay, that's a little bit kind of a a tricky statement, okay? So basically, Jesus is traveling, all right? And it says that Jesus is leaving Judea, and he's going towards this place called Galilee. He's leaving, and he's going to another region called Galilee. And on the way to Galilee, there's this big bubble called Samaria. Now, it might sound, uh, you know, what's the big deal? The big deal is that Jews don't go through Samaria, and Jesus is a Jewish man, and he's about to travel through Samaria. Best they could, it it kind of formed this pocket, and best they could, they would travel around Samaria, going from Judea all the way to Galilee, and they would try and get around. Why why in the world did they all want to go to Samaria? Because Samaria was this place, and it had become kind of this, this village, so to speak, this town, where folks who used to be Jewish had kind of, through the years, had blended with folks that were not Jewish. Okay, they had... Uh, they had ancestors and so forth, and it had kind of passed down. They weren't pure Jewish people. They were kind of looking at as like, you know, the infidels, so to speak. And the Jewish people would look down on the people of Samaria. They didn't want to have anything to do with them, much less travel through their town. If you're a big Harry Potter fan, they're kind of known like, like the mudbloods there. I just use a Harry Potter reference. I have my wife to blame. And so the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They looked at them as impure. They looked at them as folks that had blended with the other races. They looked down their noses on them. And so whenever it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, well, really he didn't. He kind of could have went around, but I think we'll see why it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And so she sees Jesus here at this well. And he was sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth And he said, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Okay, so there's two scandalous things happening here. 
One, you have a Jew asking for water from a Samaritan. Okay, it just didn't happen. Not only that, but the other scandalous piece of this is that women uh, were, weren't really allowed to, to speak to men. And Jesus, this religious figure, is speaking to a woman. Taboo. Did not happen in this day. So Jesus is kind of breaking two cultural rules as a Jew speaking to a Samaritan and as a man speaking to a woman that was not his wife or family member. And Jesus answered her. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She has no idea what Jesus is talking about. And she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now this is where the story gets really good, okay? Track along with me. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husbands. And he's about to drop a bomb right here. For you have had, and he says, I, I have no husbands. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus has just called this woman out big time. He walks into this town in this place called Sychar, and he's breaking all sorts of cultural rules. He's talking to a Samaritan woman, and as they're sitting there conversing, she says, you know, I, I need water. And Jesus says, give me some of this water. She says, you don't even have a bucket for me to get this water for you. And he says, no, 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 that's not the type of water that I'm talking about. If you know the type of water that I'm talking about, you would be asking me for water, and I would tell you about this living water so that you would never thirst again. And she says, what are you, what are you talking about? Jesus changes it up a little bit. He says, no, I, I tell you what, go call your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. And there are those words. Jesus says, you're exactly right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man that you're staying with now, if you're counting along, that's six. Okay, so this is the sixth man that she's with. Jesus says, the man that you're staying with now is not even your husband. He says, go and fetch him. And can you imagine, like, the, the look, this woman, like, she's probably just going flush. You know, right? Like, I've been found out. I've been caught. Now, this lady, I, I, I won't read in the blanks. Either she's promiscuous, she's hard to live with, or a terrible cook. Maybe she's all three. I don't know. But something's going on here where she just can't keep a man. Maybe she's just chosen poorly, you know? She's chosen uh, just some terrible, terrible choices. But she's been with a lot of guys. And Jesus is doing something that no other religious leader of his day would do. And he's having an eye-to-eye -eye conversation with, him, with a lady that's had five husbands. And now on her sixth man. As a religious leader, this is something that you simply would not do. Jesus is breaking all sorts of cultural rules. And this lady here in this moment, she's, she's 
coming face to face with something. You see, I don't know exactly why she's been through five different guys and now on the sixth one. But what I do know is that this lady has something that we talk about a lot here at Creekside Church. This lady's got brokenness in her heart. She's broken. And she's searching for something. She's looking for something to fill that void in her life that we all have. And for her, she's trying to fill this void with relationships after relationship after relationship. And she's trying to fill a God-sized hole in her heart with, with men. And Jesus is standing here and he's pointing that out to her. He's got his finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on in her life. And he sees right through the situation and he says, I can sense that something is broken here. And Jesus is reaching right into her brokenness. Maybe you're here this morning and like the woman at the well, you've got brokenness too. We all do. We've got something in our life that is broken, that is fractured, that we're just trying to fix. We're just trying to, 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 to manufacture the, the success for the situation. And Jesus looks right through to the issue and says, I know that this is the problem. And so she's got brokenness that she's just trying to fix with relationships. She's looking for love. She's looking for joy. She's looking for peace. And the way that she's trying to feel those things is through relationships with other men. Jesus says, if you were to ask me, I would give you this living water. But it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop there. Watch what she does, okay? As Jesus has got his finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on in her life, she tries to change up the equation. Listen to what she does. She does something really crazy in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. All right? Like she's trying to, she's trying to steer the conversation, all right? Like she's trying to have this intellectual conversation with this wise prophet that she has no idea about. Watch what she does. She brings this weird thing up in the conversation. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where our people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, no, 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 woman. He said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, referencing the Jews, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, not knowing that she's talking to the very Messiah. He says, yeah, I know that He's coming, He who is called the Christ when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now it might sound a little bit taboo. It might sound a little bit crazy, okay? So we said that this lady has brokenness, right? She's trying to fill her brokenness with relationships through other men. But if you notice the conversation, what does she try to do? She immediately tries to get spiritual with Jesus. She says, well, Jesus... You just called me out on the fact that I've been through five men and I'm now on my sixth one. And she tries to turn the conversation. She says, Jesus, my, my, my ancestors and my great-grandfathers, they said that we're supposed to worship on this mountain up here. But you and your great-grandfathers, they say that all the Jews, they're supposed to worship. She tries to get spiritual with Jesus. 
She tries to get religion, right? Isn't that exactly what we all start doing? Isn't that exactly what we start doing whenever we get called out? Whenever we have brokenness and we try to fix it with relationships, whenever we try to fix it with money, whenever we try to fix it with something else, and it just doesn't work, we then try to get spiritual in, the, in our lives. We try to turn to religion. Maybe some of you are here this morning because of 2019, you're trying to find some spirituality. You're trying to find some, your, your inner spirituality. You're trying to clean yourself up. So what do you do to clean yourself up? You go to church, right? That's what you do. Like, I, I'm starting healthy this year. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to make these resolutions. I'm going to read this year. And guess what? I'm going to go to church. That's just what you do. That's what our culture says that you do in order to fix yourself. And that's exactly what she's trying to do here. She says, Jesus, I perceive that I perceive that you're this religious man. I perceive that you're this prophet. Well, let me, let me tell you about the spiritualism that I know. My ancestors said that we're supposed to worship on. She's just trying to fill the conversation with some type of spiritual talk. And if you're here this morning and that's what you're trying to do, just trying to throw a little bit of spiritualism into your life to help you get by, it's not going to help. You're just trying to fill a void that won't work. There is no fixing your brokenness by coming to church. There is no fixing your brokenness by standing up and even worshiping. There is no fixing your brokenness by doing yoga in the morning and praying. You see, we're surrounded in this city by a lot of people who would call themselves spiritual, but aren't followers of Jesus. And this lady is trying to get spiritual with Jesus, trying to get religious with Jesus. And he says to her, lady, if you knew who I was and if you knew what I had to offer you, you would never be thirsty again. You wouldn't worry about where to worship on this mountain or this mountain. It's not about where you worship. It's about who you're worshiping. And this morning, I just I want to share that with you. Like, I want you to know that. Like, it's not about you simply being here. It's about who you're worshiping. Not just today, not just right now, but through the rest of the week. She tries to get spiritual, and I just, I know that this is my story. This is my story. This is your story. Brokenness, trying to fix it with religion, trying to fix it with spirituality. Maybe some of you here this morning, this is exactly where you are. Jesus says no to both of those things. Jesus says that we need a better solution. Jesus says that it's not relationships, it's not money, it's not success, it's not our jobs, it's not family. None of those things are going to fix our brokenness, not even coming to church, not even being more spiritual in the new year. Those things aren't going to do it. Jesus says you need living water that only I can provide. And I don't mean me, I mean Jesus. Jesus, I'm using his words here. But watch what the lady does. Okay, so she's knowing Jesus better than ever before. She's, she's coming to this religious. Keep, keep going. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And just then, his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. I told you that it was taboo, that he was talking with a, a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. 
Can you imagine if you were at the grocery store and you've got a buggy full of groceries and something so meaningful and something so impacting happens on your life that you leave everything on aisle 12 and you run home to try and tell everybody about something that just happened to you in the store. That's exactly what she did. She comes face to face with Jesus, the man who can offer her living water that she'll never thirst again, that she'll never have to seek relationships again, that she'll never have to worry about status again. She comes face to face with Jesus Christ. And she leaves her jar there. Listen, this is not just a physical representation here. This is something deeper. This is something meaningful. Whenever she leaves her jar, it symbolizes something in her that has changed forever. Her life has changed. Her life has got meaning now. You know why? Because she knows Jesus. I just want us to know Jesus like she does right here in this moment. I just want us to come face to face with a true fix for our brokenness, more than we ever have before. She knows Jesus, and he speaks those words to you, I who speak to you am he. But she doesn't just stop there. Look at her response to seeing Jesus. Look at her response to meeting Jesus. So Peter, James, and John, they're standing there. Jesus is standing there. She runs back in the town. She says, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Verse verse 30, they went out of the town and were coming to him. So they hear the story of Jesus. They want to go and meet him. They want to hear this story for himself. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Like, who brought him a hoagie when we weren't looking? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, yet there are four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, look up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. That means that it's ready. That means that it's coming to the end. It's ready to bloom and, and we need to go get it. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying hold true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What Jesus is talking about is that someone has already planted seeds. This this seeds have already been planted and somehow we've come and now the time is right. These people are ready to hear and they're ready to respond to the good news of, of Jesus. They're ready to respond to me. Verse 39, if you don't get anything else from today, I want you to get this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because why? Why? Because of the woman's testimony. Come, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed with them for two days. And there many more believed. Why? Because of his word now. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we have believed. For we have heard for ourselves. And now we know that this is indeed the Savior of The world, you see, she doesn't just stop whenever it comes to knowing Jesus. She has this overflowing moment where she just has to tell somebody, right? Like she's standing there with 
her jar, and it says that as she's standing there talking to Jesus, she leaves her jar, and she makes a beeline going back into the village, and she says, come listen to this guy who told me everything about myself. He told me who I was, and he says, here's this living water, and he offered me living water, and she's telling the entire village, and what does it say? That many in the village believe because of her testimony. Many believe because of her testimony. Now, I want to point something out to you. She had zero Sunday school training. She had spent zero time in missional community. Nowhere in here does it say that she went to some share Jesus without fear class. It just overflowed from her. And she said, you've got to hear about this man. And they believed because of because of her testimony. Now, some of you, that's familiar. Some of you, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. But let me point out something to you that you may have never realized before, okay? I want to I point out something to you that you have might not have ever realized before. Okay. She's standing there at the well. She goes away. Who's left standing? Who's left standing? You say it with me. Sunday school answer, right? 100% of the time, Jesus, all right? Like it's... 100% of the time, Jesus and love. That'll always get you through. If I ever ask you a question from the state, what's the answer? Jesus and love. 99% of the time, you'll be right. Okay, so she leaves Jesus there at the well, but who is also there at the well with her? Who's also there? The disciples. Now, doesn't it make sense that if you have Jesus Christ right, and his disciples, like you've got the professionals, right? You've got the A-team. You've got the best missionaries of all time. Jesus Christ himself. And you've got the disciples. Like Peter, James, and John, like these men died for their faith. Like these are the ones, like whenever the Holy Spirit comes down in the book of Acts, we see these are the very ones that go crazy and share the gospel with everybody. Who's the one that was allowed to go back to the village? Okay, it's not Jesus this time. Who's the one that's allowed to go back to the village? It's the woman at the well. Now it seems to me that if Jesus had a problem with her going to share her testimony, that he would have stepped in and said, no, 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 no hang on just a second. Uh, before you go back and, and tell everybody at the village, let me, let me just pause for just a second. Um, there's a lot of theology that you need to know. There's a lot of things that you need to know before you go back to your village. Let me just sit down for just a second. Let's talk about this for just a second. Okay, I am Jesus. I'm the Son of God. You know, I, I've broken bread. I've done miracles all over the place. These are my disciples. Now, these are the correct things that you need to believe before you go. All right, and you know, no, no, as a matter of fact, you know what? Here's Peter. He's my best, all right? Like, you know, put his arm around Peter. He's my very best. He's, he's the man. You know what? Woman at the well, you know what? Like, you just stay here. I'm going to send Peter. He's going to go tell everybody in the village about me. He knows me. He's been with me since there. He's got the theologically correct answers. Like he's been to, you know, he, he's been to Sunday school. Like he's got it all. He's got it all figured out. No, no, no. I, I'm going to send Peter. I, I'm going to send James. I'm going to send John. They're going to go back to your village. No. He allows the woman to go. He doesn't send the professionals. He doesn't send the theologically well put together. He doesn't send the disciples. He himself is not even the one that goes to make first contact with the entire village. Why? Because you are the best person in the world 
to tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. You are the best candidate possible to, to tell people about the, out of the overflow of God's grace on your life. Listen, I can't go to your work and tell everybody about how God has graced you. I'm not going to knock on your neighbor's door. Like, I will if you want me to, but I'm not going to knock on your neighbor's door and say, you know, hey, buddy over here who lives right next door to you, listen, I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ has transformed their life. I'm not going to do that for you. Jesus allowed the woman to go whenever he had the A-team there. And I think that's very symbolic because the, the word, the message of Christianity is not to be spread through professionals. It's, through, it's spread through you and me. It's spread through those of us who have been graced and given grace now that we want the world to know about the grace that we've been given in this life. Jesus didn't even command her to go. He didn't even look at her and say, okay, now that you've heard this good news, I command you now to go. He never said that to her. It was out of the overflow. You and me, however, we have been commanded. Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, I command you now. He says, go therefore and make disciples. The command there being make disciples. I command you to make disciples. She had a choice. We don't. Actually, we do. We, we do have a choice in the matter. Are we going to choose to be obedient to the commands of Christ or are we going to choose to be disobedient? Are we going to choose to be obedient or are we going to choose to be disobedient? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, simply having all the answers. I'm not even talking about I'm not even talking about getting into apologetics or anything like that, but I'm just talking about the overflow of Jesus Christ saving your life and giving you eternal, eternal life, living water that would never run dry. That should produce some joy in us, right? I don't know about you, but I want 2019 to be the year that I share the name of Jesus more than I ever have before in my entire life. I want that to be my story. Let me ask you this. Who's going to believe because of your testimony? It says that many believed because of the woman's testimony, and then once they found Jesus and they saw Jesus, it was no longer because of her testimony, but because they saw for themselves. It says that they believed because of her testimony. Who is going to believe because of your testimony? Who's going to be in heaven with us one day because you had a life changed by the gospel and you went and shared it with others? It'll be a sweet day. And it wasn't like she said, hey, you need to come see the disciples. Man, the disciples are the best fishermen. She didn't come and say, hey, you need to come see the disciples. They, they steer this great sermon. Hey, you need to come see the disciples and Jesus. They've got this awesome worship service. Hey, you need to come see the disciples and Jesus. Man, they, they had the best logo. She just said, man, my life's been changed and you've got to know this. Here's our goal, Creek Son. In 2019, I want us as a church to collectively have 500 gospel conversations this year. I want us as a church, some of your eyes are getting really big right now. You're like, ooh. 
I want us as a church to have 500 gospel conversations over the course of 2019. You've got 12 months. You better get started. Some of us, the, you, have fam, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors that you know you can go to right now. Now listen, this is, we're going to do this not because it's random, not because it's a random goal that I come up with, but because in unison we've all come to a place where we say we love Jesus and we want our neighbors to know. Every single week whenever you come to Creekside, over this next 12 months, inside your Connect card or inside your bulletins, there's going to be a simple card to hold us accountable, right? It's going to be a simple card that says, I share Jesus with Boom, boom, boom. This is the date. This is their name. And it's going to be a, a simple code there. Red light, yellow light, green light. Red light means they didn't want to have anything to do with me. They told me to get out. Yellow light means they listen. They weren't really ready to have any big moments with me. Green light means, man, they listened to me the whole way through. We talked about Jesus. We talked about the three circles. I shared the good news of Jesus. And they didn't ask Christ to change their life. They didn't come all the way. We're not ready to baptize them, but they're ready. 2019. That's going to be our story. And I hope that you're along for the ride. Now, I want you to know that from a staff standpoint, from a perspective of your leader, I've committed to a certain number of this 500. I'm not going to tell you how many it is. Certain people know what that number is. But I want us to hit 500. Listen, what this represents is 500 opportunities to share Jesus whom, with, with someone who might spend eternity apart from God. What this represents is 500 people who right now are in a living hell. We're in a living hell. Some of our neighbors wake up every day and it's not a beautiful, peaceful, loving life. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's only darkness and there's only brokenness. It is a living hell. We've had conversations with people that live less than a mile away from this school that have almost died to heroin, heroin overdose. Two people that have almost died because of heroin addiction, less than a mile away from this place. People less than a mile away. I've had it on the doorstep of, of their homes and they're in their living rooms where they tell me they practice Wiccan or they practice witchcraft. Are we going to come here and worship every week knowing that that exists around us, unwilling to do anything about it? Are we going to sing our songs and lift our hands and preach our sermons without being willing to reach into darkness and say, we want to change this situation? I say no. I say no. I say that I want 2019 to be the year where we get out there, man where we reach into darkness, where we share the good news of Jesus Christ, I think that's a step in the right direction towards seeing a movement of Christ in our city. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's pray.
Father, we come to you this morning and Lord, I, I thank you for the passion that you've given me for this city. I thank you for the passion that you've given me for the neighbors and friends and family. And Lord, I, I hope that doesn't scare anybody. I just I know that there is a reality coming soon and very soon. Or when the time for good news will be no more. Lord, in many will have rejected you at that point. Lord, and we're not talking about strangers, we're talking about loved ones. And I don't want to sit on my hands and I don't want to just come and do church knowing that that exists around me. And so I want us to be willing to break the rules. I want us to be willing to do whatever it takes. Lord, so that we can reach into that and see lives changed. I want us to reach into that because our lives have been changed. Give us a burden, a conviction. But don't let us sleep. Let 2019 be a different year. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you this morning, this is, uh, hey, listen, we got ice cream and cake later, all right? Like it. But some of you this morning, you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and so sharing him is just taboo for you. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, a really cool story on our first year you come to know Jesus maybe for the very first time where you, you, you hear just like the lady at the well where she found a solution to her brokenness, she found the living water maybe that's your story today I'm going to be at the back of the room and if you just need somebody to pray with, maybe you don't need to receive Jesus this morning but you just need somebody to pray with we hope that you would come if you've been with us for last year and you call this place home, we're going to sing a, a, a last song here this morning. It's very worshipful. It's just about giving thanks to God. And I want you to, I want to free you up this morning. I just want to free you up to just worship in this last song where we truly as a family give thanks for all that God's done for us this year. Whatever God's calling you to do this morning, pray that you would be obedient.